good looking. My name's Alexander Marcano, and this is Statistically Significant. And today, it's just you and I. Just like last time. But this time, I'm going to do something a little different. So instead of having a specific topic prepared, I'm just going to rant, I guess. Go on the go off whatever whatever's in my head. <laughs> uh hopefully it's at least coherent, but we'll see. Regardless, it's not like many people are listening, so worst case scenario a couple of you think I'm crazy. But before I do that, this week's spicy stat, which I happen to have forgotten last week. I think. Pretty sure I forgot it last week. So uh, for this week, the spicy stat is that the Salem witch trials in Massachusetts back in the, I believe it was in the 1700s, it's the common story is that these witches were, oh, sorry, 1692. Um, so the story goes that the witches, or the women who were accused of being witches, were burned at the stake. Um, but that's actually not the case. A majority of those women who were found guilty of being witches were actually put in jail. And then some of them were uh, hanged, which is actually the plural of hang. It's not hung when you're talking about hanging people. It's hanged, I think. Again, I might be wrong about that. I didn't, I didn't check that. But... Uh, the, they believe that that myth actually comes from the European witch trials in which that was a very common practice. So if anyone says Americans are more violent than Europeans, feel free to point out we didn't actually burn our witches. We just incarcerated them. Now, um, this week, I've been thinking a lot about the power of stories and their role in our in our society, in our world. And it all kind of started with Bigfoot. So if if no one's aware of who Bigfoot is, he is a potentially real but never been documented, never been adequately documented to be sure. Uh he's like a he or she, it's a sp there's many theories. Uh, some think it's a species of animal. Some think it, it's just one animal. But Bigfoot is basically this giant, hairy, ape-looking thing that's bigger than us and has really big feet. And it tends to live in the wilderness where there's a lot of trees. I think maybe the Northwest is like... The northwest, where those uh, northwestern U.S., where those forests are, that might be considered his habitat. Um, but whether or not he's real, I'm I'm not here to say. It's it's to me it's almost more important that it's a story that seems to go on and on forever. I mean, even as technology has improved and they've you know, attempted time and time again to find proof that he's real. There's a million shows out there. Finding Bigfoot, which is a TV series, has like nine seasons or something. 
we tell the story anyways, and it's almost like we really don't care whether or not it's real. The reason we talk about Bigfoot is not because we actually care about whether or not he's real, but perhaps, and this is where I was kind of, the rabbit hole I started going down this week, is like, well, maybe it's just because we care about the the idea, you know? Like, what if there is something out there that is similar to us, not quite us, but similar to us, and hidden, just out of sight? Similar, so it's kind of like aliens. I mean, again, I'm not saying they're real or not real. They, they could be real. That's fairly fairly possible. It's reasonable. But we haven't had conclusive... Like, I haven't seen one yet. I don't think anyone's seen one yet. So, why do we always talk about it? Well, because it's, it's almost like there's, a, there's something to that story that's more important than whether or not it's real. It's like there's something out there that we don't know about that's similar to us that may be... In the case of aliens, maybe smarter than us, maybe better than us, maybe stronger than us. In the case of Bigfoot, I think it's just kind of like a scary thing. Like, there's a thing out in the wilderness that could get us if we were alone. Um, and there's a lot of stories like that. I mean, there's Grimm's fairy tales. I think that's what they're called. It's like a book of the book of fairy tales i think that's it has hansel and gretel uh, maybe the i think red riding hood is in that one you know those childhood stories those all aim to teach us a very clear lesson the the story of the i think it's what's not the, is it the jackrabbit and the tortoise I feel like it's just the rat. Maybe it's just the rabbit and the tortoise. But, you know, when when we look at that story, obviously, or at least I don't think we're talking about a real story in which there was an actual race between those two animals. But the reason we tell them is more so for the lesson from them. And for those of you that don't know, I can, I can tell the story. Um, there was a tortoise and a rabbit that decided to have a race and when the race started the rabbit had a huge lead because the rabbit was considerably faster than the tortoise so much so he gained such a lead because he was so far ahead that he decided he was going to take a nap halfway through so he started relaxing and the tortoise kept on strong slow but steady he never gave up kept pushing and by the time the jackrabbit had woken up it was too late, and the tortoise had beaten beaten him to the finish line. So we tell that story, and I don't think it's because we really care about which animal's faster. I think it's more so because we're trying to teach people something. And these types of stories, in that case, the lesson is, I don't know, maybe don't take things for granted. And you should see things all the way through before you celebrate don't count your don't count your chickens before they hatch. I guess that's the other thing about about human language is that we have these metaphors. Metaphors and stories kind of do provide a similar function because we're telling these stories in the aim that we're we were reminded of a certain lesson. Somewhere along the way, 
our ancient, ancient ancestors decided that there are certain values that we should we should teach, we should pass down. And these values can be expressed in stories. These values can also be expressed through, you know, the, the metaphors you're taught, like don't count your chickens before they hatch. Now that I'm trying to think of more metaphors, I find it kind of difficult, so that's great. <laughs> Always seems to happen that way, right? When you need it, you forget it. Um, but through metaphors, th through language, and and I don't, I guess language is too broad because I don't just mean like talking English, but you know we find a million different ways to convey these convey these values in shorthand, right? And we also do it now through culture and through movies, through other forms of entertainment. But it kind of all started with storytelling. And in the beginning, before writing, these stories were all told orally. I mean, there was no writing. It was just I tell you, you tell someone else, they tell someone else, and the story spreads. And it always makes me wonder how much of our history, when it comes to ancient civilization, can be trusted. Because I know that we have written, we have written documentation of, in, you know, what occurred in ancient Egypt and what occurred in ancient Rome, ancient Greece, but... Sometimes I, I, I like to put on my tinfoil hat and just wonder, like, oh, what if they were messing with this? You know, we don't, we don't currently speak in hieroglyphs, so maybe we're just missing, like, we have the Rosetta Stone, and that kind of helped us decode what everything meant, but what if they were just messing with us? What if, what if the Rosetta Stone was like a prank? It wasn't actually a, a good translation tablet. Stuff like that is fun to, to imagine. Or like the story of Julius Caesar. Everybody knows that he was a great Roman emperor and then he got stabbed in the back by his best friend. And, well, his best friend and like 50 senators or something. Something crazy. Uh, you know, what if that wasn't real? Granted, there's a there's writings and that's why we believe it. That's why we say it's true. They could just be messing with us. I mean, a part of me wants to believe that they're just messing with us. Because that's kind of fun. That would be a good prank. That'd be a funny prank. Like, they got generations after generations to believe that that was a real story. And, hey, I mean, you could extract a lesson out of that story, too. Uh, you know, watch your back. <laughs> if you're Julius Caesar, I think your lesson, I think the thing that uh, they'd want to... they'd he would say at the end is, you know, you got to watch your back. The, st the moral of my story is that you got to watch, got to watch your back. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, so I've been thinking about stories a lot. And how do we figure out exactly what, what is, what are values that we should, we should teach? You know, I mean, we have decided along the way to prioritize, uh, love over hate and I don't disagree with that I'm not saying that's wrong but you know at what when did we decide that you know how how far back do these go 
because it would seem that it has gone on forever. But somebody has had, you know, it's not like these stories came out of nowhere. Someone, someone did it. Someone started. A group of people started the process of storytelling. And they decided that, you know, oh, we should teach patience. We should teach acceptance. We should teach love. Well, and then, well, you know, I might take that back. Though some of the story, like Grimm's fairy tales, are pretty grim, but um, they're like, they're kind of dark. I mean, they're teaching you lessons too. They're teaching you valuable lessons, but they're not quite as as nice and PG as the ones that I'm talking about. Because those are like, Hansel and Gretel ends up getting eaten because they didn't listen to their parents. The boy who cried wolf, he got killed. He was lying too much. So... It's not like they were all very, you know, they were they weren't all so Disney esque values, but somewhere along the way, as a society or as a as a species, we decided, you know, lying is bad. We should teach people not to lie, and they've come up with creative ways to demonstrate that. But ultimately, someone came to that decision, and I I always kind of wonder what it was because it's not a normal that's not an animalistic thing to do i mean animals don't care they're just trying to survive and granted we're obviously different from animals because we've we've something has changed about us that we don't follow you know we're we're not bloodthirsty the same way that a tiger is you know a tiger sees its prey and it wants to hunt and for whatever reason as human beings we we've kind of lost that at least most of us there might be some of us out there that are still like that i don't i don't know them but i I don't doubt that they may exist but my point being that we seem to have outgrown certain things that separate us from the animal world and to decide what those values are going to be is is an interesting uh it's a dis- interesting proposition and i wonder how long it took for us to actually start telling these stories and f- and establishing that this is the direction our species should go in and that process lives on to to this day i mean we're still fighting over what what are values we should carry down to our children? And in general, the needle is being, in my in my opinion, that we're going in the right direction. I mean, there's always setbacks. There's always points where we go too far and maybe we need to rein it back. But as a species, we've we've decided that we want to keep pursuing this path of of improvement, but I'm not really sure where it started, or why, really. I mean, it's kind of the great, ph- pheno- the great anomaly of what makes us human beings. Because I, I don't, I don't think dogs particularly think about whether or not lying is bad. Granted, they do show shame. I mean, if you've caught, if you've ever caught your dog doing something wrong, 
they you know they did something wrong. The guilt is like visible. So maybe we're just maybe I'm just underestimating the animal world. Perhaps maybe th- maybe there are other animals that that struggle with these these things and 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 aim for improvement. It's kind of hard to tell. Mostly cuz we don't speak the same language as them. That's the other thing, I guess. I mean, we have a unified and complex language network that we can kind of convey these abstract ideas. So when you think of a dog, I mean, as far as we can tell, dogs are able to communicate, but it's much less, it's much more limited. It's much more simplistic, less complex. So maybe they just don't really have the, it's like if you don't have the language for it, you don't have the problem. Now, justice, we talk about justice because we can talk about everything else involved in having justice. We can talk about right and wrong. We can decipher the, the meanings of those words, but a dog can't, really, as far as we know. Which then makes me feel like, well, what about dolphins and octopuses? Because apparently they're super smart. and Apparently they have a pretty complicated language. Or whales, too. They have a very complicated uh, communication. Like, even the pitches matter in the communication for those animals. So, who knows? And, And they're social animals like us. I guess if you're not a social animal, that's the other part. None of these really matter because you're... You don't rely on other people or on the other things of your species. But there are animals in the middle of the ocean, not in the middle, but animals that live in the ocean who, as far as we can tell, do have similar complexity in their ability to communicate. So I wonder, maybe maybe they too have stories that they're passing down. Unlikely. (laughs) I mean, I don't really know. It's a fun thing to imagine what a dolphin story would be like. It's kind of like, oh, you know, there was a race between a fish and a sea snail, a sea slug, a seahorse and a a sea slug, and I wonder what they would call them. I mean, that's what we call them. Maybe they're just like the little wiggly one. And then the big chunky monkey were racing, and one of them decided to float up to the surface real quick, got a little confident, went up to the surface, got some air. By the time he came back down, it was too late. That's, you know, these are the rabbit holes of my mind. I don't, I don't, I don't know why I... I really, I wonder, I always wonder if anyone else puts this much thought into random things. I'm sure other people do, but people don't really talk about it. (laughs) Whenever I try to get this, this, this length of conversation about something like dolphin stories, people usually seem uninterested. Especially, maybe it's, it's just that I struggle to verbalize it sometimes 
the other thought I was having is, and this one's going to be a little hard to explain, so bear with me. But, so let's say that I'm, presumably both of us are speaking English. Let's say that I'm thinking about a pizza, right? I'm saying the word pizza, and your mind has an image for what that pizza is. Clear as day, I say pizza, you know exactly what that means to you, and I know what that means to me. Now let's say that you speak Spanish, and I speak English. I can say the word pizza, and it's no longer going to have meaning to you. But if I visualize a pizza in my head, and you visualize a pizza in your head, we're talking about the same thing. Or, we're not talking about it, but, but we're, we're both thinking about the same thing. Even if we don't have the, the same vocabulary, we're thinking about the same thing. Extend that to everything. Every thought that we have, it's like there's something deeper than language. There's something more primitive, something kind of symbolic that you don't need language for. So I could think about something like justice, right and wrong, and that's going to appear in my head. And I could talk, not talk, but I could be around someone who speaks a completely different language. We could have absolutely zero communication with each other, but have the exact same thought in our head. Because thoughts are something internal that are very primitive, and the words that we say are what's complicated. The, the vocabulary, the language, that's what's complicated. Because we've come up with a million different ways to say the same thing. Sometimes there's a million ways to say it in one language. Take that and realize that there's a million, a million languages. There's a, there's a ton of ways to say the same thing. And with that, it's almost like, well, what's that deeper layer? Like, what are our thoughts? I mean, obviously, they're a combination of neurons and electricity running through them, but our ability to have a concept in our mind, in our mind's eye, it's like that is universal. That is a universal thing about our species. We don't need to speak the same language to, to know instinctually. It's almost like... what. It's like when you smile. Smiling is uh, is something that's shared universally across every culture. When you smile, human beings know what that means. When you cry, human beings know what that mean, what that means. So there's like a weird, it's, there's like a weird thing about our th our mind where what our thoughts are very primitive, our thoughts are very basic. But our language is very complicated. And the way that we express our primitive thoughts can get very complicated. And that's ultimately the part that messes us up. When you're talking to someone, trying to tell them something, and they're not getting it, and you can't really get through to them, it's not necessarily that your thought is complicated. It's that the words you're using to describe them get extremely complicated. And in some cases, that can be avoided. I mean, sometimes some people are just good speakers and it becomes very, you know, they're better at, at saying what they're thinking. Others are not very good speakers 
But it all comes down to just that, our, our use of language. And that's a weird thing. It's kind of a... It's a weird thing. And, and apparently, I, I know nothing r really about this, but technology is heading in a direction where soon we'll be able to communicate purely with our thoughts. And that, I mean, that seems crazy, but honestly, the way that technology moves, it's probably not that crazy. I mean, uh, there has to be something there. Again, if I'm thinking about a pizza in English, you could be thinking about a pizza in Spanish, we're thinking about the same symbols. Like we, there's something instinctual where we know what that is, even if we don't know what it is in your language. And, you know, maybe we find a way to harvest, harness that. Maybe we, maybe that's something that can be detected and used and sent and received. So if that's the world that we live in, that's kind of weird. It's going to be, I don't know if that would be better or worse for society because... On the one hand, there would be less miscommunication. And miscommunication, I I don't think there's any disagreement. Miscommunication is bad for relationships. Because it's not that you're it's not that you're purposely trying to do something. It's not that you're purposely creating issues, it's that there's just a lack of understanding on one or both ends. But so so sure with that new technology if we, you know if we could talk with our thoughts yeah that the miscommunications would go down but on the other hand i don't know that people want to be honest all the time I, i'm not i'm not sure that that's really good for us i mean sometimes we don't want to hear the truth and and I don't mean about the big things. I just mean about the small things. I mean, some people are ugly. And you don't want to tell them that because you don't want to be mean. And they don't want to hear it because it's hard to hear. So I don't know that we'd want to live in a society where you can't keep that to yourself. I mean, politeness and rudeness, they seem optional, but they're really kind of necessities because there's more two people than than what meets the eye but we can't help our thoughts sometimes they get away from us you know you you might not care what someone looks like and you might honestly believe that and tell that to yourself but you still think about it you know it's one of those those instinctual things where you're like i don't i don't want to care about their looks but i've noticed that today they look pretty bad or today they look really good and those are the thoughts that many of us have and then dismiss because we don't want to put priority on that. We want to put priority on other things. So being able to read each other's thoughts would eliminate that ability. We wouldn't really be able to avoid uh, facing some of those truths. And that kind of creates, um, I feel like it would, it would cr create more clear divisions in groups of people. Because then you can you can't deny the things you're thinking, and if you're a jerk because you happen to think a lot more about certain things, then everyone will know it. And you know, having a few bad thoughts a day isn't doesn't make you a bad person. I mean, 
I think awful things all the time. And then I laugh about it because I'm like, oh, that's so silly. I don't genuinely mean that. I just like to do it. It's like trash talking, you know, in, but in your head because you don't want to be mean. So you're like, ah, oh, look at this guy wearing a funky hat. I don't know. I don't know if he should be wearing that hat or that shirt or those pants. Dang, he's got no fashion. You know, you say those things to yourself, or at least I, I say those things about people in my head, and then I laugh about it, and then I forget about it, because it's not really that important. It's just something I say to entertain myself. But if everyone knew what I was saying about their funky hat or funky shorts, nobody would like me. <laughs> I would get uh, I would get thrown out pretty quickly. And that's my firm belief that most people would probably get thrown out pretty quickly because I don't think I don't think anyone lives it goes a single day without having one thought that they're not proud of we have it's like it's like the whole right to privacy I don't think most people understand that the right to privacy is not a real right that we have um, in the US because of the Constitution the Constitution says no such thing as a right to privacy that's something that we have established now, that we are trying to establish now. And I'm totally for it. I agree. We do need a right to privacy. But it's not inherent. And it's not a given. But this is why it should be. Because <laughs> I don't need people knowing the awful things that I think about every now and again. And by every now and again, I mean every few minutes. I'll see the dark and I'm like, what if I got murdered right now? You know, if people knew that, They'd probably think I'm a weirdo. They'd probably be like, "Why is this guy constantly being worried about getting murdered?" I'm not really, I'm not really worried about it. I think about it a lot, but am I worried about it? No. Maybe it's because I think about it all the time. I just don't worry. I'm like, oh well. I saw it. Com- At least I saw it coming. I mean, I can't be scared if I saw it coming. So, you know, our minds are weird things. Really odd. Really odd, symbolic. Hero, what if hieroglyph? I feel like I'm mispronouncing that. Hieroglyphs? The Egyptian symbols that they used. Ancient Egyptian symbols that they used. Hieroglyphs, I think. What if that was their attempt to symbolize the inner thoughts? You know? You know, I was saying pizza is, uh, you know, pizza in English and Spanish are the same symbol. What if hieroglyphs were like an attempt to make the inner mind purely symbolic? Because then it's universal. Drawings are kind of a universal thing. But even drawings are kind of complex because you have to, you, you, they don't tell you everything. They don't like express intent. Like if you see a guy with a knife in a drawing, you don't know what his intentions are. You don't know what his motives are. So it's a little weird. Like, it's not a perfect system because that's the other thing about your symbolic mind. It's like there's a lot of it's not just a symbol in the sense that it's a drawing. It's like a symbol, a 4D symbol where there's feelings and stuff attached to that that thing. And of course, that's personal. I mean, I like pizza. So when I see a p- pizza, there's like a positivity around it, of like an encouragement. When I think of a murderer... I don't feel that same encouragement. It's more of like a fear. So, you know, maybe the hieroglyphs were just like an attempt. They're not perfect, 
That could have been an attempt. Might be better than what we're doing right now with the alphabet. The alphabet, I mean, it works for writing English. It, it works for writing languages. But it does not work for the simple symbolic mechanism in our mind. But, yeah, that's that's what I was thinking about this week. That's That's where I've been thinking about all this all this other stress in the world all this international news and I'm over here thinking about why the heck we tell stories and who decided that tho- those are the stories we should be telling <laughs> I like most of them in fact I really like stories mostly for the lessons they're kind of like fun ways to learn lessons because somewhere along the way, we've gotten wise and realized that every generation is plagued with the same issue. So if we just learned from the past, we would get so much further. But we're also stubborn, and we think we know better than the past. We're like, oh, well, we have iPhones now, so we're not going to make the same foibles. But arrogance will still get us the same way that it got them, and pride will get us the same way it got them, and Ultimately, we face the same issues, no matter how far we've gotten. It's like the two steps forward, one step back. See, that's a metaphor. Those are the things, those are the types of things that I was talking about earlier. All right, well, that's my, that is my rant for today, for this week. I, uh, I hope it made sense. I hope you're able to follow along. Maybe even find it interesting. But, uh, yeah. If you guys have anything that you've been thinking about this week that you want to share, feel free to let me know on the social media page at the StatPod. T-H-E-S-T-A-T-P-O-D. All right. Have a good week, everybody.